0: Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of All Blaze No Glory, the podcast. Not quite a Steel Queen special this one but still on the theme of ice hockey as I am joined by Adam Mackman of Ice Maidens, the voice of women's hockey. Um, Adam tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yes, hi Rambo. Um, So I've been covering the WNIHL for the last couple of years or so. This is my third season. Um, I I'm based in Whitley Bay, so I cover all the beacons, uh, beacons games, home and away, um, and if my schedule allows, I'll I'll do other other games and travel around the country and try and give as much coverage um, and and live uh, streams of women's games as possible. Uh, about a year ago, I started a website called Ice Maidens, um, simply because uh, there was a gap there that with really no coverage. And with the demise of fixtures live, there was a, a distinct lack of information. Um, and for well, not not so much fans, but even the, the players who were involved, you want to see how the other teams are doing, how what the league standings look like. There was literally nothing and nowhere to go. So I started that up so that everything was together in one place. And um, again, it, it's a good way of, of promoting the league. Cool, cool.
0: How before we go a little bit more into detail into that, how did you get into ice
1: hockey? Um, <laughs> well, it goes back many years. since When I was a, a teenager, really, my sister took me to a game one Christmas Eve. Uh, it was at the Newcastle Arena, uh, The what was then called the Newcastle Warriors against the Basingstoke Bison. Um, and Basingstoke were winning 4-1 going into the last period. Uh, but then the Warriors come back and won 5-4. Um, I think it's safe to say I was hooked at that moment. It was such a great final period. Um, and it just went from there. And I used to sort of beg my older sister to take me along to games when I was still a kid. And then um, as I got up into my sort of later teens and got a job, I could start affording to, to go myself. And that was mainly watching the Warriors when they returned back to Whitley Bay or... Some of the other Tyneside-based teams, like the Newcastle River Kings and Newcastle Jesters, um, but that's what got me into it. Um, then Channel Five had their coverage of the NHL, which made it easier to watch that. And um, I've travelled over to to North America quite a bit and to Finland to watch hockey. Um, so as a fan, I think I was, you know, it, it's it's been there since an early age. Um, but then about eight years ago um a friend of mine's recommended me to to do some radio commentary um the nihl had their own radio um station based in blackburn at the time and they also had one in billingham and they kind of wanted a, a third one in whitley bay because it had the the largest sort of fan base as it were um and and the numbers that they could get off the back of it we just needed somebody to do it um and I give it a go and it turns out it, it went OK and I got asked to, to do it full time. And so for the last sort of seven or eight years, I've been um, doing live radio broadcasts for Whitley Warriors. Um, and that uh, including highlights as well, done playoff weekends, cup finals. Um, and then that led on to being asked to do the Beacons.
0: Cool, cool. So um just for, for people that are not in the note, the NIHL is um sort of um the the senior league for well it's mainly for England, but there's there's Solway in that now. It is a, and it's more a men's league, but there are some women playing it. Like um I'm sure we'll come on to talk about, about some of the players that play for the Beacons that play in the in that league. Um and there's there's what three divisions,
1: Adam, is that is that still the case? It is, yeah. So you've got the Elite League, which is completely separate for, for the Men's League. And then below that, the National League, which, as you have mentioned, Solway are in there for this year. Um, and then you've got NIHL 1, which is then regionalised into North and South. And then Division 2 is as well. So the Whitley Warriors, who, which is the local men's team, um, they're in NIHL 1 North, which is essentially the third tier of, of men's hockey. Um but then obviously you've got the women's n i h l as well, so that's just sort of the other side of it cool, cool.
0: and and uh how how did you get approached by the beacons and and when obviously it went beyond the beacons your interest in women's hockey how did you how did you get your start in women's hockey and what what attracted to you to to
1: covering that well, part of the blame uh lies at your door Rambo for that because uh, the first women's game I actually covered was when the Beacons played the, the Steel Queens in a in a friendly it was just as we were coming out of lockdown during the pandemic. Um Steph Towns had asked um a friend of mine, Matthew Donaghy, who who was at the time doing the Warriors highlights, is would he stream live games of the Beacons? And um he suggested it to Steph, would would she want a commentator? Because Essentially, you know, these streams do do sound better with with somebody commentating on them. Um, So it was sort of arranged by Matthew and and Steph and I got asked to do it. Um, A shame to say I knew very little about women's hockey. I'd not been to a live game before. I'd I'd watched the Olympics um, every four years, but that was about as much as my knowledge went. Um, But I did that one game. At Whitley Bay as I say against the Queens and uh, it just sort of gripped me from from then on and um, at the start of the next season the Beacons were, were having their first campaign in the Elite League uh, and again I was asked back to do some more games for them uh, the first sort of Elite League game I did was against uh, the Guildford Lightning uh, again which Guildford won eight four, but I think what completely blew me away that day was um watching Louise Adams, um, who up until recently was a GB international, but you know, one of the top players in this country and, and a fantastic two way player. But it was just I've never seen somebody dominate a game of ice hockey like it. And um from then on, I just yeah, I wanted to I wanted to do it more regularly and watch more more of the uh WNIHL.
0: Um, I'm smiling here at the other end of the the other end of the line because, uh, yeah, I've seen Lou- Louise Adams play, and uh, I think if you're on the other side of her, she's she's terrifying to to have against you, and uh, mm-hmm. certainly a player. That, it's like she's got some kind of piece of string on the puck when it's on when yeah. she's on her stick, and um, so yeah, <laughs> I definitely uh, I definitely know what you're talking about there, um, so um. You've been doing how long is that? You've been doing the sort of covering the Beacons games, and then obviously, then when did you decide? Right now, it's time to do a a more national project.
1: Yeah, so about two and a half years when I did that first game, as it was that friendly. It was we ran about June twenty twenty one, I think, when the Beacons hosted the Queens. Um, Over the course of that year, I travelled up and down the country watching the Beacons in the Elite League. Um, so I, I very quickly got to, got familiar with the other teams in there and, and the players, and by the time the playoffs came around, that's um, talking sort of May or June 2022, um, I was going to go anyway as a fan and watch the games, but I thought, well, why not try and do a bit of media coverage of it? I wasn't sure what there was available at the time, um, there was a company there brought in to to film it, but their budget didn't stretch to a, a commentator. So I basically just volunteered and said, "Well, look, I'm here. Any anyway. mate, I know most of the players. Let's just, you know, give it a go and see what happens." And I think it went really well. We got a lot of good feedback from it, um, and it's it's just sort of grown. I think the, the second season, that I started covering it, which was last year. Um, I was asked to come on board and help out Salway Sharks with their home broadcasts, um, which, when it didn't conflict with the Beacons, um, and I've done some games for Grimsby and Sheffield as well, so it's just ones that are relatively close and commutable from from Tyneside, I guess, um, and then that in turn led to me wanting to set up the the website of Ice Maidens.
0: Cool, so, and, and, and how... How challenging was that? Because obviously, it, you know, as, as you've mentioned, there's there's no Fixtures Live now. I I obviously, the Steel Queens have come in after Fixtures Live was a thing, but I understand it automatically updated, updated tables and things like that and gave you a bit more of a website. But how much of a challenge has it been sort of, not just collating all the stats, but um, equally you, you, you've you given like sort of pre, pre-season reports on every team in the WNHL. Um, it's a lot of work to get through, so so how have you managed to fit all that in?
1: Yeah, it, it was a lot of work doing them, them previews, let me tell you. Um, I mean, it, it's a labour of love, really. I, I wouldn't have done it if I, I hadn't enjoyed it, but um, yeah, 32, I think I did in the end to cover every single team. Um, relied a lot on, on some of the teams sending me information, but um, most of them I just wrote um, essentially just the knowledge that I had and trawling through social media, seeing what updates that the, the various teams have put out there and just try and put it together, tidy it up a little bit and, and make it interesting. Um, but yeah, they, they do take time. Um, I think they were well-received um, from, from the, the feedback I got, which was good. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's hard work. Last year, without Fixtures Live, was difficult. Um so, I mean, I'm I'm kind of one of these sad statos in a way that, that loves, you know, I'm a bit of a hockey nerd is, is probably the best term d- uh, to describe myself. So getting all these results is something I would want to know personally myself anyway. Um, but it wasn't easy. Um, again, you, you sort of relying on the, the various clubs putting it on social media um, as to what the score was. And sometimes you'll get the goal scorers as well, which helps. Um but without the data which Fixtures Live had is very difficult. So you are literally then relying on teams to maybe send you a copy of a game sheet where you can, again, use uh, the stats from that to help. But um, it, it's not been easy. And uh, it's been well over a year now, almost 18 months, that there's been no sort of nothing published by the league in terms of updates or, or league tables. Uh, I think possibly what... Um, was the biggest thing for me, was at the end of last season where uh, in what was Division 1, the Whitley Bay Beacons were long since champions, so they'd claimed top spot. But four teams um, were battling for the final three spots for the playoffs. Now, three of them teams all finished on the same number of points. So, yeah, they had to work out like a, a tiebreaker system as to which two teams qualified and which one missed out. Um, and essentially, I think it went off what the table and the standings that I posted. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of pressure for that because, you know, I've kind of got to get it right. But at the same time, if I hadn't have posted it, I guess there wouldn't have been anything out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and there's no, I think it's is it NIHL stats. Do you, do, you, do you sort of work with them at all? Um or, or a little bit. A, a, yeah. A bit. Yeah, we've
1: exchanged emails. Um s- sort of the the yearbook which he put out, uh, which is fantastic by the way, if, if anyone hasn't uh, checked that out. Um so I, I did a lot of updates for certainly for the Whitley Bay teams like the Beacons and the Warriors, um, and, and give them as much information as I could about the, the W N I H L. Um so there, there has been a, a you know a bit of support there from both sides and I must say as well, um, the UK branch of Elite Prospects um, has also been very useful. Ap- apologies, I don't actually know the person's name who who runs it, but uh, again, we've exchanged messages and um, we've uh, we've sort of helped each other along the way, really.
0: Yeah, I think that's one thing that the um, the, the the girls in our team certainly love is the uh, is they feel sort of dead professional having Elite Prospects um because obviously you're then in the same database as say you know uh Sydney Crosby and stuff like that mm-hmm. so it's quite, it's, quite, yeah. it's quite a good a good thing to have and and they're certainly um a helpful bunch in and and uh, keep keeping that up to date um so it, it sounds like this is all a bit of a, a labor of love for you whilst it's it's a lot of hard work and one of the other things that's impressed me though is you not only managed to keep up to date with the UK leagues you're also kind of keeping us up to date with uh, Brits abroad uh us yeah. about about how you managed managed to do do that
1: well yeah that's a relatively uh sort of new thing that i've've introduced for this season um it had been on my mind a little bit last year because like I follow the g b team when they play the world championships abroad and you look at the roster and there's some names on there which uh obviously don't play in this country and it it's um you know some sort of high profile players as well. And it got me thinking. Well, you know what? What are they getting up to out there? How how are they playing? How are they performing? Um, and I thought it might be of interest. And again, there's been some good comments um, around that. Um, the likes of Sham Jackson, who's at um, Sonny Canson, um, and uh, Lucy Beale, who's out at Norwich University, um, and Amy Headland as well, who's there. They put a lot of updates on Facebook as to when the games are getting. There's like live streams, so their family and friends can can tune in. And a, a lot of the time on a Friday evening, there's no uh, women's hockey going on over here. So if there's a live stream at sort of eleven o'clock on a Friday night, I'll be uh, I'll be sort of watching it and taking notes. But uh, to be fair as well, the the teams' websites are fantastic because they put a lot of stats in there. They they tell you. Just about how many shifts the, the each of the girls play and how many shots they take and, and stuff like that. So it, it's you can take a lot out of that and and write reports off the back of it. So it's quite useful. Um, but yeah, I mean, I basically just thought let let's let's see what I can um, gather information wise from from those websites and um, try and do some updates. Excellent
0: stuff, and of course, um one of, one of those players that's playing abroad uh, was a big part of that Whitley team that that got promoted last year and Casey Trail and are you keeping up to
1: date with her? I think she's in Sweden though is that is that right? she is yes, she's in the Swedish second division with Timra um, They're a team that aren't expected to make the postseason, which um, is kind of complicated the Swedish league because they have an initial stage of a season and then depending on where your team finishes. You go into like a second phase, a bit like if the SPL in in Scottish football, um, where the top six kind of break off and have a mini league to decide the European spots, and then the bottom six to determine relegation. It's kind of like that if if people are familiar with it, um, and certainly when when Casey went out there, she was hoping or un- understood that the likelihood is they wouldn't make the playoffs, which meant her season would probably end um, sooner, uh, which everyone in Whitley Bay is hoping for to get her back, of course. So um, last I heard kind of ended January, beginning of February, she may be able to come back and, um, and help our elite league campaign. But um is a fantastic player. First uh, British born and trained player to be drafted by the uh, NWHL, um, as it was at the time um, when the Buffalo Buttes um, selected us. So, it's kind of a big deal. And I think, you know, she garnered a lot of media attention off the back of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had her on the, the old BIHA podcast. Um, incidentally, we had to work it around her weather spin, uh, spoon shifts, which just showed you the difference <laughs> in, in, in a w, a, an yeah. NWHL uh, prospect and, and um, Liam Kirk, who we also had on, <laughs> who was it, who incidentally didn't have another job. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's what is it about Whitley Bay that makes such a hotbed for hockey? Um, I mean, you look at the rink, and and with no disrespect, it's obviously an old building. Sometimes the ice can be a bit bumpy because of various (laughs) plant issues and things. But what has made Whitley Bay such a popular place and such a a great production line for players?
1: It's a very good question, that Rambo. Um, I don't actually know. I mean, I suppose. You know, there's a lot of history. It opened in 1955, so there is the tradition. Um, the Whitley Warriors, for example, were one of the top teams in men's ice hockey in this country um, to a point where they had names such as Mike Babcock playing for them. Um, so much like the, the old Murrayfield races, who, who, well, they're now the Edinburgh Capitals, of course, but they're two very old facilities uh, that have kept going against the odds in many ways. Um, and I, I think it's probably just that tradition, for example, Steph Towns, who's the Beacons player coach, her father uh, was a fantastic goal scorer himself for the Warriors, so obviously his influence rubbed off on Steph, and that's ultimately why she took up the sport. Um, so there is a lot of that in Whitley Bay where either children will follow in their father's footsteps or brothers will and, and sisters, um, but to actually put you know, a defining point on it to say that is there a reason why? I, I simply don't know. I mean, I know COVID had a massive effect in terms of numbers and the junior teams right now, well, over the last year or two were very low. It's starting to increase now and build back up, but it's it's certainly impacted Whitley Bay and, and the hockey. But on the other side of that, the Beacons have set up an under-16s team, which is dedicated just to girls hockey which is great gives them extra ice time um last season they made the playoffs for a first time um and this season they're currently top of their division so they've got some future stars there um i mean some of them are only 12 or 13 but you know another few years and they're, they're going to be playing gb 18s um and senior women's hockey as well um, they are that good but again th- th- these are kind of girls whose parents played hockey as well so again they've, they've had that influence
0: Yeah yeah and um, it, it certainly seems and I, I don't know if this is maybe a trend that you've seen that, that women's hockey is on the rise a little bit in Britain um, I mean our numbers have went up with Steel Queens um, since since our foray into WNHL to the point where we've now definitely got a sign of um, chance to play development games with distinct rosters and things but um Whitley Bay've got an under 16s team and there seems to be I think Leeds have joined under sixteen ranks is is yeah. you think that women's and girls hockey is is on the up.
1: It is. Yeah, it's it's probably been in the best position it's it's ever been in, I would say. Um you know, I think there's a it's kind of a, a new culture within women's sport now anyway. Um so it is becoming more popular a lot of that is probably to do with women's football and the popularity of that, uh, but it's filtering through to to different sports now and it's great to see that in in women's hockey um as you as you mentioned Whitley Bay there um you know the beacons actually got three teams so they've got the elite league team uh they've got a team in Div 2 North who the Queens just recently beat um where that's kind of for, for players who are still developing um um as opposed to being the finished article which they are in in the Elite League. Um, and then and then there's the 16s. And as you say, Leeds have come in this year with a 16s team. The year before, Telford put a team in. So, you know, I think the first year we were in it, um, there was only four teams. So you can see it is growing. It's up to six. You know, I think there's rumours that there's another couple of teams want to come in um, for next year, which is great. And, and as you say, the more it can grow, the better because ultimately that means more players coming through and, and more players then going on to senior hockey.
0: Yeah, because I think one thing, and this guy kind of goes off off topic of the leagues, but I think the the possibilities for the the GB women's team, if the game can grow, are, 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 is pretty limitless. They, can, I think they can, you know, can, they can maybe get through the divisions and and maybe get up to the top, near the top group, or just hanging on outside it. Um, and I think you know we've we've all got a really good opportunity if we can build on this to to, to make it to make it work I, I don't know if you think maybe I'm being a bit ambitious but um you'll know a little bit more about the women's international game than me but do you think it's it's out with the realms of possibility the women's team can can really fly high in in years to come
1: oh, absolutely um they've gone through a lot of changes Mike Clancy who's the senior GB coach now is 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 uh well this will be his third um World Championship coming up. It's coming in April. Um, but in his first year, the team got promoted, won, won the gold medal in Yacca, Northern Spain. Um, last year, I think it was always going to be about consolidating a little bit because um, some senior players had moved on, either retired or um, were unavailable. Um, but that also gave the opportunity to ice some younger players, the likes of Ruby Newlands, who's probably the most exciting young player to come out of Scotland in in many years, uh, who's an absolute superstar for the beacons as well. Um, she was playing for G B eighteens and for the senior team as well. And although she only got a couple of shifts out in um in Suwan, Korea, um, last year, she the sort of experience she gained from that will be massive. And in years to come, that's going to certainly help her. Um, she wasn't the only one. There was a couple of other girls that they took there as well, Ellen Reese, um, as well as a fantastic young defender who's also the captain of gb 18s. Um, So they're, they're trying to bring the younger players through, sort of uh, ease them into the team, gently give them some ice time, build up that development and that familiarity and kind of look at the succession as, as to who's going to be playing for GB in the years to come. Now, they just about stayed up by the, the slimmest of margins, GB. They uh, beat Kazakhstan in their first game with a penalty shot from Katie Henry, and ultimately that was what settled that game and the relegation places, because Kazakhstan lost all their games and GB lost the rest of theirs. But but they were by certainly close margins uh, against some pretty good hockey programs out there, the likes of um, Poland and Italy, who were both very strong. Um, And I think, you know, GB took a lot of plaudits from that because, you know, they're they're fine margins. And as it goes on and they get more used to playing at that level, the gap will continue to close. Um, It's it's one of them funny things with international hockey. You get a, a world championships every single year. But, of course, the players don't get the chance to meet up all that often. And if you're out somewhere like Korea for, well, best part of two weeks, I suppose, with sort of uh, five games crammed into seven days, I think it is, um, it's not always enough time to develop that chemistry and, and, you know, be able to be successful. But they'll get there and they're a talented bunch. Jodie Olison Smith, who's the captain, uh, fantastic goal scorer, and she's tearing it up in, in the men's league as well.
0: Yeah. And that, that was one of the other things I was going to ask you. There's, there's several players obviously in the, in the WNHL that are also playing the trade in the NHL. I think two of them are, are beacons. We've got Steph Townsend, you've mentioned to. Yeah. has one of the, the nicest wrist shots I think I've seen in hockey, um, in the UK. And, uh, and then Abby Colshaw, who's, I think she's a, is she a Bradford
1: bulldog? Is that? She is indeed. Yeah. Abby's fantastic. Um, one of the hardest working players you could ever wish to have on your team. Um, such a great girl. Her and Steph have got like a an almost telepathic understanding at, at times that they're, they're so good. Uh, and they were really one of the main reasons why the Beacons got promoted last season was their offensive um, output. But Abby's very unselfish. She'll always look to try and set one of her teammates up and... Um, for me, should be one of the first names on that GB roster, if I was picking it. Um, great player. Jodie Olson smith as we mentioned before, um, she plays for Coventry Blaze in Div 2 North, uh, but got um, sort of an emergency loan call-up to play for D-side Dragons earlier in the season, which is the league above. And that was sort of unheard of, really, that a female player had played at that level before ended up with an assist and got uh, player of the game. So um, it, it just shows. I mean, if he was putting that into context, say, for other sports like football, it's kind of like asking Beth Mead to go and play for Derby County in League One. It it, it would never happen. You would never see that happen across football. Yet yeah, Jodie has done that. And I think it often doesn't get enough recognition, but it deserves, really. Um you mentioned before about Steph Towns. She uh, she's playing for Billingham Buccaneers, who are a new team. Um, and there's other players around the league. Sarah Hutchinson and Grace Garbutt are both at Altringham. Um So it, it's all good experience for them, and it's of course, it's additional ice time. And when the girls don't get a great deal to begin with, you know, having that those additional games, it all helps.
0: Yeah, for for sure, and. um I um, think the other thing that's impressed me since since obviously the, the Steel Queens have come into the league having been in the uni ranks before is that is the sort of standard of goaltending um in the WNHL. Now we have had to put up with her twice and Lizzie Meekle, and she's not even <laughs> one of the top goaltenders in in the in the WNHL. Is that something you've noticed across the board? I mean, obviously the Beacons A team have got Megan Craig, uh, yeah. another great Scottish player. Um who, who is almost unbeatable as well. Um, is, is Have you found the goaltendings at a, a really high level or is it maybe just me because a lot of the time in uni you're stuck and you don't have a goalie so you just shove a player in goal? So.
1: No, you, you're right. It is a very high standard. Um, I know I'm probably going to sound biased here, but for me, Megan Craig is the best goalie in this country. She is absolutely fantastic. Um, there's been games where the Beacons should have lost by double figures and she's kept the score down. Um, She's made saves; She's had no right to make. Um, I think one of the the favourite stories about her was when she was part of the GB Under-18s team. Now, she couldn't quite get in because, believe it or not, there was two other goalies who were selected ahead of her. Um, But during one of the scrimmages, Ange Taylor, another great Scottish hockey player, who was coach of the 18s at the time, she joined in the scrimmage and went one-on-one, Megan Stonewater, and then having stolen the puck off her, then pushed her around the side of the net. And I think there was a, a few expletives from Ange in the, in the best possible taste that she was frustrated that she'd just been robbed of a certain goal. But uh, she could appreciate just how good that uh, a young goalie was. But, I mean, Megan is fantastic. As I say, she's... She's helped out some of the other elite league teams when she's not been, when she's not had a game for the Beacons. And everyone will tell you the same story about just how good her goalie she is and the amount of shots she faces. And um, I think, as well, it's her ability to get across a line is incredible. I've never seen such agility in in any goalie, really. Um, But, you know, there, there are other top goalies in the country as well. I think. Amelia McGinley at, um, at Queen Bees is another fantastic young player. Um, she might only be 20 now, but um, if anyone watched the women's playoff final last year in the elite league, um, the high glove save she made um, for the Queen Bees against Solihull Hall Vixens. I mean, actually, Megan's father took a photograph of that and it's probably the photograph of a tournament because it was such a great shot. Um but, yeah, you mentioned as well before, um, Lizzie Meikle. Um, I think this is only her third season of playing senior hockey. Good I think she played rec before that. Um, last season, she was one of the main reasons why the Solway Sharks had a 100% record won every single game they played last year. Um, and, as say, frustrated you a couple of times this season. But, I mean, she posts something like 95% Save average in both games against the Queens this season. Um, when you're talking, what, 84 shots was it she faced against Whitley? Um
0: shots, yeah, against the yeah. St. for when she, when she was in guesting for Whitley.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just, that's incredible when you think about it, isn't it? I mean, sheer about a rubber she faced in that game. And, um, if, you know, <laughs> I think we all got back on the bus and realised that, that Lizzie had kept the scoreline down because. Queen should have won by a a larger margin as I don't think anyone could deny that
0: Yeah and and, I mean um, I mean I I was been looking sort of obviously uh, with the availability of what you do and what the um, what is done by NHL stats as well and and looking and even just looking at some of the goalies that I know the names of and there's Holly Steeples now playing uh, WNHL 2 for Cambridge, Holly was a full G B prospect. It just shows you that across mm-hmm. the board you've got great goalies to great goalies to watch and, and to and to 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 backstop these clubs. And I think that makes it's gonna make the ultimately make the scorers get better as well, right?
1: Well yeah, it'll force them into, you know, changing how they're gonna approach a game, isn't it? Or approach a shot because if you know you're Coming up against a hot goalie, and it's going to get into your head, isn't it? Um, I know the Queens haven't faced Leeds Roses yet, but Megan Quigley, she's another good goalie in this league in Div Two North. Um, so she's someone to look out for. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to my good friend Ruth Palmer, who plays for, for Grimsby Wolves. Um, I know Queens have had quite a big win against Gr- Grimsby this season, but um, again, she's someone who is going to face a lot of a lot of shots against the likes of Queens and against the Beacons yet again keeps the scoreline down and there's um, is, is just such a depth I mean last season I actually thought about writing an article as to you know who the top goalies were in in Div 2 North but I couldn't do it because you know who would be first who would be second it would be almost impossible because there is so much talent now. yeah
0: yeah no it really, it really is and I think it's an impressive um, array of not just goalies, but there's players across the board and every league. I mean, um, I'm not, you know, there's players I've not seen, but thanks to you, I've been able to watch little bits of live streams or I think Leeds Roses have a live stream they do themselves as well. Um, And it's, it's been good to sort of see the different players and, uh, you know you're playing them in a few weeks panic about them. Um but <laughs> in general in general terms it's been it's it's great the, the coverage that you give in, uh, to the sport and and what have you and of course um you did come up to Scotland to to uh, is that your first time at Murrayfield uh, when you came up for the Queen's Whitley Beam
1: game? Oh, I love I've been to Murrayfield several times to see men's hockey but it was my first Queen's game there.
0: And um you uh, you obviously partook in the in the uh, the live stream as a as a color commentator, um, mm-hmm. and uh, how did how did you think the the tandem of you and Laird worked? Because um, he's going to want to know get some feedback. On it.
1: <laughs> no, I thought it went really well. Uh, he's a great guy, Laird. He's um, you know brings a lot of energy and humor to a broadcast. So I think I think we dovetailed nicely. Really, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I said to him afterwards, I look forward to working with him again and. Hopefully, if uh, if you can make the trip down to Hillheads at the end of the season, we can team up again. This time on on Beacon's TV.
0: That I'm sure I'm sure he would love that. He uh, he's, he does bring out. He's got a, a tremendous amount of energy and um, a lot of a lot of uh, terms that people people take a bit of getting used to. But once you get used to them, it's it's good fun. Yeah, um, yeah, good, good. So, in um, in terms of the. Uh, the uh, the leagues i d- i don't want to get into the sort of prediction thing cuz it always feels like you're tempted in fate with that sort of stuff but is it now sort of we've had the sort of i don't know the the uh the trailer uh, the start of the season that is the sort of the the, the the you know the early days of the season it doesn't seem like we've all played a lot of games yet is, is the next part of the season going to be kind of the silly season for everyone as they all try and cram in the rest of the games in a few months
1: um, yeah, I mean, I know the league did try to change that and that they wanted um to start the season earlier to try and prevent the backlog of fixtures that we get in sort of April and May. But the other side of that is, of course, when the men's league comes to an end around sort of end of March, beginning of April, of course, there's additional ice slots, isn't there? So it makes sense you're going to fit your fixtures in then. Um But yes, it, it's when you get in the games thick and fast like that, it is going to give... um you know a, a few interesting results and of course some of the younger players are going to have exams uh, as well like a levels gcses so they might not be able to travel to to certain games so we we're going to see some some interesting results um i know you said you did not want to make predi- any predictions but um i think you'd have to be a strong sort of uh, person to to bet against the queens not to not to clinch div 2 north um I mean, you're looking looking pretty strong from what I've seen. Um, I couldn't name you another team as good. I mean, leads are, leads are good, but in all honesty, I think if uh, if Queens Ice, they're the four strongest lines. They, they should win that. Um, I think yeah. Div One's always interesting because it's always sort of super competitive. Uh, I know. Beacons ran away with it last year at the top. They won. They had a hundred percent record. Won every game they played, and Slough lost every game. But the other seven teams in between were covered by something like four or five points. Um, everybody was beating everybody. It's still just as competitive this year. Um, Kingston Diamonds have got off to a really good start, but then if you look at their roster, a lot of them are the core group that also put ice for their elite team, like so Danny Newlove, Lizzie Saunders on Keanu Tate there's some really good players there um, Swindon have kind of been playing catch-up because they've had issues with their rink um, so they're playing all their road games at the minute but in the new year they're going to suddenly get a lot of ice time and um, it's going to be a tough place to go to the link centre for a lot of teams um, again stacked with a lot of talent Nora Egri who's unfortunately just missed out on the GB under 18 team she's a, 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 a Hungarian born player Um, so I think there was an issue with a passport why she wasn't included, but she's one to look out for in the future. She's incredible. Um, she also plays for the Queen Bees alongside uh, Lily Endicott, and those two again, they're they're kind of like a a Step Towns Abbey Coulshaw type partnership where they're just telepathic at times. So Swindon are going to be a very strong team, a very good team to look out for. Um, Bristol as well because they just got relegated from the Elite League. Um, so I'll, I would say it's kind of a three-horse race in that league. Um, in Div 2 South, Hardiff, again, they've only played three games, but they're yet to drop a point. Um, Peterborough have dropped a point in a draw, but that was away at Streatham, which was a place traditionally where they lose. So they saw that as kind of an improvement. So, I think, again, you'd be hard pushed to look outside of Cardiff and Peterborough for uh, the top two spots in in that division. Um, and then in the Elite, well, that's just been thrown wide open this weekend with the Kingston Diamonds beating the Solihull Vixens 5-1 on their own ice, which that never happens. Um, so, yeah, that, that was the biggest shock, I think, of the of season, really. But good on Kingston. And I think it, it's kept it, things interested in the... Uh, in the new year
0: yeah and a big shout out to our uh, assistant coach Beth Diascoone who was part of that Kingston team uh, this past weekend indeed uh, yes. Yeah. it tends to be that Solihull and uh, I might be wrong on this but Solihull and Queen Beans seem to be normally the dominating force in the in the in the um, elite league I think Guildford sometimes put up a bit of a fight but I think that's generally the way it goes um, so that was a big result isn't it
1: it is um i mean solihull have lost in the previous two seasons have lost two games one in each season and on both occasions that was to queen bees um they have drawn to the diamonds in each of those seasons but that's the only points they've dropped so three points uh in a season for two years running is is remarkable really um but you would not expect them to drop points at home to kingston with all due respect to to kingston um but by all accounts, it was a fantastic uh, performance by Kingston and they fully deserve to win it. Um, I'm sure the Queen Bees will be rubbing their hands with glee at that result as well because it means that the the teams are tied at the top now. It's all to play for in the second half of the season. Um, As you mentioned there, Rambo Guildford, um, traditionally yeah, they are a strong team. They were playoff champions in 2022 um, but Louise Adams is kind of well, sort of hung with skates that really so they've been without her. They've, they've had to rebuild. They've gone with a very young team but they're very good fast skaters and very good and com- confident on the puck. Um, And they'll cause a lot of teams problems this season. They beat Whitley at home uh, in a bit of a shootout 7-5. It was a great, great game of hockey and if anyone wants to watch it, that is actually on the Beacons TV YouTube channel. Um. It was, as I say, a lot of goals, a lot of good talent out there. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, stress them as well on their day, they can beat anyone and, and Whitley as well. I mean, we haven't had a lot of wins this season, but um, we've kept the scorelines close. And if you compare our performance this year to how we were two years ago when we was last in the Elite League, we, we've kept ourselves in games. We're not getting beat by double figures. We're... Um, you know the, the sort of fine margins now. You just, you know, a little bit of luck here and there might, yeah. um, might prove different.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just one, one kind of last point to touch on, and I think it's quite important that people just don't hear me harping on about this. Um, but, um the uh, you obviously do a lot of traveling to to keep up with with what's going, going on in the league. But just just for people to maybe understand. Talk us through, you know, how much traveling just how much traveling is involved for these girls that are that are playing essentially in the top level and you know, and essentially funding themselves. You know, yeah. it's incredible that they, they play so much hockey, isn't it?
1: It really is. And and that's the thing that shocked me, I think, when I first got into following women's hockey compared to men's where they get all the coaches and transport and travel paid for themselves. It's as you say, it's all funded by the girls themselves even Going kind to of GB training camps, for example. Um, the Elite League, you've got three teams sort of in the southeast Guildford, Queen Bees, are now based in Slough uh, and Streatham in South London. So, for the likes of Hull, that's quite a fair distance to travel down there, even further from Whitley Bay, let me tell you. Um, you know, our, our sort of second closest trip, uh, away trip of the season, is to Solihull. And if you compare that to the men's team, the Warriors, that's their longest trip. Uh, I think they would downright refuse to go any further than Solihull. Uh, but that's kind of a difference in sort of attitudes, I think. You know, the the female players don't really get a choice. It's like, well, we want to be playing. We've got to be playing against the best teams of our best players. And that means getting on a bus and sitting on a bus for six hours to get down to the southeast of England, play a game of hockey and then another six hours back. Yeah. Um, If Queen's get promoted next season, you'll find that out yourself in Div 1 because that's a fully nationalised league as well. You've got um, Solway finding that out themselves this year as well. You've got to go to the likes of Chelmsford, Swindon, Bristol, Milton Keynes, uh, Slough again. You know, it's uh, some some long-haul trips. Um, And similarly, of course, those teams have to travel north. Um, Div 2 is more regionalized. So right now it's kind of Edinburgh to Telford is probably the longest trip in the North. Um, and then probably something like Cardiff to Chelmsford in the South would be the longest trip, but so it's not quite as bad, but still it's, it's a lot of traveling. It's not like, you know, some of the sports leagues were a bit more sort of regionalized and you only got a couple of hours travel. This is, uh, a huge commitment from the girls that they have to do this. Um And I think what amazes me is when I've been on the Beacons bus is just the team spirit they all have and, and the positivity, you know, even if the game hasn't gone the way they'd like, they, they never stop smiling and having fun. And, you know, there's a bit of karaoke goes on in the back and stuff like this, but it's just great to see, you know, that the girls are loving what they're doing and that's, essentially what it's about. Yes, you know, it is hard what they have to go through in terms of financing it themselves and they are reliant on personal sponsors to, to subsidise some of what they uh, have to pay but, um, you know, if I could change one thing it would be that then they could get a bit more financial support because, um, you know, there's a lot of talent out there on the ice and it's just not always gets recognised.
0: Uh- yeah, thanks for that. And um, yeah, that I mean, I'm looking. I I clicked onto the wihl one table, and um, obviously the first thing that myers were drawn to was Bristol, which is pretty far. Mm, <laughs> yeah, managed to get promoted, which of course is it's well down the line at the moment. Um, you've got to take each game as it comes for for all the teams, but. Um, yeah, this has been it's been great to catch up, Adam. Getting a bit more um, you know, information about various players and stuff. You've obviously got a real knowledge of of uh, of women's game in Britain, and it, what you do is so important for, as you say, for the girls to keep up to date with what's going on in the league they're in. Because otherwise, they'd be nipping my head all the time about how many points we had and what goal difference and stuff. So it makes it easy for me, um but also just it, it gives everyone a sort of community spirit and they can kind of keep an eye on what's going on. And from a coaching point of view, you can um, kind of see what players maybe stand out for other teams and, you know, try and find out a bit more about them and that sort of stuff. So it, it really is, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not speaking at a turn, but I think everyone in the WNHL certainly owes you um a lot of gratitude for, for all the work you do. And I would like to thank you for taking the time tonight to, to speak to me and ramble on to me as well um about this it's it's great to have someone uh with your enthusiasm doing all the work you do so thank you
1: well it's my absolute pleasure and well thank you for those kind words really but um yeah i mean i'm a huge fan and uh i'm not going to stop uh, promoting women's hockey good lad thank you very much thank you